Allie, I, I don't see the point of recording an episode right now. We haven't seen a movie yet. Yeah, we did. We watched something earlier. What? The Benneker Gang. The what? The the Benneker Gang. I... It's wait, wait. A... What's it about? Had Andrew McCarthy. It's about a bunch of orphans. Wait, that, that wasn't a weird fever dream I had last night? Not this time, babe. Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. And this week, I <laughs> am not convinced that we weren't hoaxed, or that I wasn't hoaxed, in, 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 into seeing a movie that was assembled out of maybe outtakes from Mannequin and a few other, like, maybe Anna the Infant Power outtakes and possibly some scenes from Six Pack featuring uh, Kenny Rogers. Uh, but... Uh, well, which might be an episode in the future if I can ever locate that movie. Um, yeah, um, the Binnaker Gang, uh, 1985, so, uh, allegedly from 1985. And if you're going, and if you're going, what? Yeah, so was John. Supposedly, well, the Binnaker Gang from 1985. <laughs> let me try again. Uh, directed by Ken Quapis. Quap, Quap, Quapis. Really? K W A P I. K-W-A-P-I-S. Um, okay, that's that's got to be an alias, right? Ken Quapis. Um, oh, he directed... Oh, no, he directed Sesame Street Presents Follow That Bird, oh, The well, Sisterhood then. of the Traveling Pants, and he's just not that into you. I have seen... Uh, I mean, those are probably just his best... That's probably just his major roles. Is just I've seen but, um, I've seen three quarters of yeah. those movies. So have I. <laughs> and, um, well, they're not particularly... Great, <laughs> but I mean, I, again, I, he has more of a career than me, as yeah, I always like yeah. to put out. Yeah, so the movie, uh, the movie is written by Judy Angel, <laughs> and I think it's ba- and it's based on a novel called "Hey uh, Dear, Dear Lola." Dear Lola. Hey, Lola. Hey Lola. Dear Lola. Run <laughs> by <laughs> by uh, I don't know who it's by because I don't have it on. It's not on the Wikipedia page. Is it on the? Oh, uh, Judy Angel wrote the novel, and Jeffrey Jeffrey Kindley actually wrote the screenplay according to go. IMDb. Uh, so suck it and stars Andrew McCarthy yeah I mean which is it's weird to hear the the phrase stars Andrew McCarthy in the in the year 2017 just at all but um yeah it stars Andrew McCarthy it must be one of his first roles um and it also stars uh Jennifer Dundas who is kind of been a character actor for years and mostly in things I haven't seen but um she's been around and she's uh, won an Obie award for some play off Broadway um, Charles Fields, who I swear looks super familiar, but I I don't recognize any of the movies on his discography, <laughs> filmography. Let me get that right. Um, he's he looks like every weird orphan kid from the '80s, though, in any '80s movie. So that might be why uh, he plays a weird orphan kid. Uh, and that's a spoiler. Yeah, and Je- Jeff Allen Lee, who um, apparently does a lot of theater, <laughs> and Danny Pintaro. Wait, was was he Edmund? Yeah, no, he was James. Oh, Charles Fields. Was was and Danny Pintaro. You stepped on Danny Pintaro. Sorry. Just like you stepped on Andrew McCarthy last. Actually, you stepped on uh, Ken Quapis. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Danny Pintaro, uh, famed Cujo star and uh, someone who was definitely not the boss, um, as uh, the littlest boy <laughs> in the group. 
that's about it. Apparently, uh, it, it says it's distributed by Paramount Pictures, but all I saw in it was a Scholastic film, which made me think maybe you could order it uh, from the book club. Uh, um, again, this is a movie that I, I have no memory of. I have no memory of commercials for it. It doesn't look... It looks like a made-for-TV movie, but it doesn't mention... Like, I can't find any evidence that it was a made-for-TV thing, and Paramount is the distributor. It, it doesn't say, like, ABC or NBC or anything like that. Um, it it has production values akin to Anna to the Infinite Fa- Power, which, uh, you know, again, made for HBO, but I know that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or perhaps uh, Savannah Smiles, which, again, a movie I'm not sure if it was ever released in, <laughs> in theaters or not. Um, yeah, yeah, um... I guess um, let's get some elevator pitching going. Oh, Ali showed me this, as you might not might have guessed by my complete bewilderment by its very existence. Um, and she's been tracking it down for quite some time. I mean, I say that you could have easily rented it from uh, from Amazon like years ago, but or, but you were you were bound and determined to see if you could find a library copy or something for some reason. Um, I failed. Yeah, no, I ended up just breaking down yeah, and, yeah, and and renting and, it. And rent, yeah. So uh, you probably you wanted to own it, didn't you? No, I didn't need to own it. She's 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 nodding yes. No, I'm not. Yeah, she nodded yes on that too. <laughs> Don't tell my secrets. We're, we're not on video for a reason. Oh, we are on video. <laughs> I just I put that on the deep web because <laughs> we do this completely naked except for dog collars. The deep dark. Web. The only one who's not wearing a dog collar is, is the dog who's right. completely nude. <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, let's do some elevator pitching. Yeah. I want I want you to pitch me this movie because I don't know that it's real. You don't know that it's real? I refuse to believe that it's a real movie. So pitch pitch me this movie that you're going to make. So I have this fever dream. No, I'm just kidding. So uh, you got a group of orphans. Okay. Orphans, orphans are good. Orphans, orphans are good. Uh, Return to Oz. Annie. Danny. Annie. Okay. Got a group of orphans. She wasn't really an orphan in Return to Well, she was an orphan in Return to Oz, but she didn't live in an orphanage. I'm sorry. I'm a very interrupting executive, apparently. apparently. Let me try. Let me try you. That was how rude of me. You're trying to get some money out of me for yes. a film. Let me... A group of orphans who escape the orphanage. Mm -hmm. They go on a cross-country trek to try to get as far away from said orphanage Mm -hmm. because none of them want to be adopted or fostered out. And they end up in a tiny town, fix up a house, and little town politics ensues. All right. All right. Um, No, I'm not going to make this movie because it doesn't exist. (laughs) Wait, wait, but wait, but wait, but wait. What if, what if we got that little awesome kid from Cujo? Ah, uh, oh, you mean the kid, not the St. Bernard? Yes, no, the kid. The kid. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. I mean, as long as, as long as he doesn't run off to do uh, do any sort of sitcom. Okay, and well, and what if we got Andrew McCarthy? Oh, I am sold. Oh, yeah. That, that guy can carry a movie because this is 1985. Oh, my God. This was not that long before Mannequin. I'm going to sweeten the deal for you. I am not going to accept any other comments. You've already... No, you've got to learn. You've made the sale. No, no, don't sweeten the deal because I'll take the money back. <laughs> don't take the money back. Should I sweeten the deal? All right, I'm going to the deal. I'm trying to say it quietly so I'm picking up the microphone. No. Oh, okay. um, I didn't want you... So you, don't, you can't give up when I shoot you down. Come on, man. Okay. <laughs> don't sweeten the deal. What if, what if I give you J dot T dot Walsh Jonathan Taylor no oh JT Walsh no JT Walsh couldn't have been in this movie he's he's like an actor whose name I recognize as the principal a nice guy 
Ah, no. No. Nope. Again, fever dream. Fever well, dream. Wait. Here, let me pitch you a pitch movie. Pitch me a let movie. Let me pitch, pitch you a me movie. the movie. All right. <laughs> I call it Weekend at Bernie's Origins. Oh, God. Andrew McCarthy's character, 15 years, or I don't know how many years, before the events of Weekend at Bernie's. I can't remember Bernie's last name or, or, or Andrew McCarthy's character. So you're going to have to go with me on this and just say, this guy who I've forgotten, it's back when he wanted to be a professional columnist. He's an mm-hmm. advice columnist. Oh, and uh, we got J.T. Walsh in it. I'm in. Sold. Check, check. Cha-ching, cha-ching. Ah, you fool. Cha-ching. You've given me all this money, but J.T. Walsh wouldn't be in this movie. <laughs> okay, wow. Well, Except we have, that he is. <laughs> He did, but there is no such thing as a vinegar gang. Right. This, this, a, is, so, this, is, so, this is, by the way, this is an elaborate avant-garde uh, podcast experiment where we've invented a movie <laughs> and you all have to then like work out, like we actually went imagine on, it. Uh, onto Wikipedia and we created a Wikipedia page yeah. and went into well, we, IMDb. Well, we really half-assed it. Yeah. You know, I, you, know, you, know you, you want to see how half-assed we were? Yeah. Plot. The movie is about five orphans who run away from an orphanage in hopes of becoming a family together. We have asked it. By the way, this is a bad right. You could write. You could save some save some some digital ink and just say five orphans run away from an orphanage in hopes of becoming a family together. Yeah, but they were trying to pad it out. I guess. Yeah, they must have. Been. Okay, so anyway, the Binnaker Gang movie starts out. We see it's by Scholastic. We get to see the Scholastic logo, which, which I have literally not seen in thirty years because yeah, it it's been so long since I've had like a book fair. That was super fun. <laughs> you know. Um, the movie begins based more or less. I mean, you know what? I'm not going to say exactly where it begins because there's some boring stuff that happens. But the movie really begins with a small boy hiding in a dumpster shortly before taking all his clothes off. Yes. Um, yeah, that boy. Uh, we've already seen one of the one of the the we've already seen the 18 year old Andrew McCarthy as Arthur Binnaker. Yeah. But that's not the name you'll know him as. Um, you basically, uh, and it has this weird like. Bland, made-for-TV feeling of like... Do you remember in like 1984, 85, uh, when, you know, the only time color existed was on MTV? Yes. Like, if you actually watched a movie, like, on, t- on, on TV, it was always kind of just sort of a... Sallow. Yeah, it's like this... Yeah, sallow is exactly it. It, it was kind of just Benji this burnt... Benji was always sallow It was this burnt me. ochre color. Yes. Everywhere. Yeah. That, that, like, it kind of looks like someone spilled tea, tea. On, the, on, on, the, the, on, on the negative. On the negative, yes. You know, like, that's that's how the movie begins. And it's like yeah. Andrew McCarthy checking a mailbox. Yeah. And it goes on for a surprisingly... Oh, no, he's dumping something in the mailbox. Oh, no, he's yeah. dumping it in the mailbox. Yeah. He checks it later. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Andrew McCarthy dumping some crap in the mailbox and walking around in this... You know, I, I called... I mean, I kind of see it, like, sort of knew from the description you had given me once that this movie was about orphans, but I called it was an orphanage for, like, two seconds. Yeah. It has this feel of, like, t- like made-for-TV depressing orphanage. Yeah, a little despair. Like, I like I think it was actually filmed in a high school. Yeah. It, like, it just feels like... It, like, every room feels like a room of a school. Yeah. It just has that institutional, boring, like, yellowish, like, the negative color of this yeah. movie. Every, like... You know, but anyway, that basically, like, you see, he goes out to the trash and finds this kid in his in the dumpster, and it's his name. The kid, the kid's name is Edmund. We assume it's Edmund Binnaker. The movie kind of implies that everyone's related. Yeah. At this orphan, like these kids are all that we're talking about are all related, but spoiler, they're not. Yeah. Um, but this kid Edmund is hiding in the dumpster because a foster family is coming to pick him up. And it turns out, while, you know, generally speaking, the rule of orphanages movies is these kids want to get out so bad, you know, because it's a hard knock life and they always have to sing these songs. Yeah, and and Miss Hannigan... The is, she's drunk. She's drunk. And Rooster's there. 
you know, and you know, there's just you never you never know when Rooster's going to put that clown makeup on and uh, hide the sewers. You know, I just made an it reference. Anyway, <laughs> um, you looked. At, I only I only sang that. I mean, y'all all know that, but Allie looked at me like I had three heads. I was implying, you know, you know, because. He played Pennywise also. I didn't know that he played Pennywise, yes, but I, ca- I caught we on. We all float down here. <laughs> um, um, anyway, so, um, but Edmund does not want to go because as it, as it turns out, he doesn't want to be separated. There's, there's, he doesn't want to be separated from what we assume is his family. Right. You know, he doesn't want to go with his family. And, and Arthur, or as we learn his name is, Lola, Lola. Um, tells, it, tells him, you know, like, you know what to do. You know, like, here's your problem. You're wearing a suit and tie. Look how you're dressed. Yeah. You know, and kind of like, you know, like, show them who the real you. And so then we go to a scene where the kid is, um, and by the way, uh, around this point, when, like, when, when all this was going down, this part, I, I still, by that point in the movie, I was not convinced I wasn't maybe watching an old Doctor Who serial. Because mm-hmm. it just, it, it has stink of PBS about it. This yeah. movie has a stench of PBS on it. I know it's not on PBS, but it, it just, it just there's a whiff of it. There's a whiff of it. Just a whiff. Like maybe, maybe just maybe they were going to stop and start explaining, uh, you know, the the concept of the orphanage to us, or perhaps something something about advice columns, you know, like like kind of a Voyage of the Mimi thing, you know, like maybe it was made in Canada, you know, or BBC related. But anyway, so uh, he goes into this meeting, and the, like the uh, head of the orphanage is meeting with this couple that's going to, you know, and he's like. I think you'll be very pleased with Edmund. He kind of talks about Edmund like he's a model of car. Yeah, it's very you know, strange. Like, this orphanage has a lot of reliable placement. They're good kids. Well, <laughs> right. you know, like, what can I do to get you inside this kid? Oh, that did not sound that right. That sounded awful. What is wrong Let's with you? Let's go back. Let's backtrack. What can I do to get this kid inside your family? Thrusting deep, hard, so and long gross. into your family. So Stop anyway, the kid, it. Yeah, and speaking of gross, during the middle of this uh, uh, bit, like, when he comes in, he's sitting there, they're talking, and he just gradually starts taking his clothes off. Like, all of his clothes off. And somehow, even though he's like, okay, the warden is facing... Warden? warden? You know what I thought of him as the warden the entire time? It's an orphanage. <laughs> I, I just realized that he's not technically a warden, but the warden is facing oh my God. These, uh, these, these, these potential parents oh and the kid's God. standing behind him. So the, he's facing, he's facing the, kid. the kid. And somehow, I guess he's like, it's like it's kind of like that Twitter joke. He's like, well, anyway, I'm in time to, like, nothing could go wrong with this interview. Time to look down at my desk and then take a big sip of coffee before yes. looking up. Because <laughs> finally, like, while this kid, and it takes a long, this, this movie is not fast-paced. It's not a very long movie, but it, it like, and it not a lot happens time. in it. And it just, it's very, it's very, paced. again, that's what, another thing that makes me feel like I'm watching PBS. It has this slow, deliberate pacing that's a lot more like a TV show mm-hmm. than a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, basically the kid takes his clothes off and starts crowing like a Howling like, howling like a wolf, like not crowing a wolf. like a rooster. He, yeah, he's howling like, he's hungry like the wolf. Hungry for staying in this orphanage with his family. Which happens. Which happens. And it's a delight. And then you, you basically round out, you, you, they do a run around, you start meeting all the kids. There's Cassie, who uh, is basically, she's the girl. There's, she, she is a girl who, um, and you learn, her bro, she and, her, and uh, Danny Pintaro's character, Ben, are actually brother and sister. Yes. Uh, the rest of them are not related to each other. And they are also the only ones whose parents died. Right. Uh, which, this comes up later. I'm just saying it now because, frankly, the movie's, you know, like... The movie brings it up really too late for, like, in my in my opinion, yeah. like it's 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 literally almost at the denouement before you find out that like all their stories. Yeah. 
Everyone else is people whose parents were just crappy. Right. And that like, left them. Kind of abandoned them, you know. So Edmund is, we've already seen, he's naked boy. Lola is the adult, well, the 18-year-old. Yeah. Uh, Cassie is, she's probably like 12. Yeah. Like somewhere in there. She's she's not quite at puberty, so maybe she's at 10 or 11, but she's yeah. she's she's not the youngest. Right. And yeah. then James. And then James. And James. And James is basically for uh, the first 20 minutes of the movie, he's essentially Thing. Yeah. Because he's a hand that comes out of a hole. hole. And it's never really explained, and and, and then it's abandoned. It's the weird... Like, he begins... He communicates by dropping notes, really well-written notes. Yeah, with incredibly good handwriting. Like, his penmanship is almost mechanical. It's amazing. But, like, it's it's ridiculous. He's like... Like, like, it's been months where he's been living under a blanket with his hand coming out of a slit to communicate. It's very, it's very surreal, which is again why like, part of like why this felt like a fever dream. That and like you know, I could never really tell where they were, and you know, everything was a little hazy, and you know, except, you know, like and and there were a lot, and everything was like too many close-ups on their faces yes. when they were talking, uh, which I know was to save money. That's what yeah. you do when you've got no budget; is you shoot really close to the face so you you don't see that the set is shitty, <laughs> you know. Um, but um, so. It, then there's also Ben. We have, Cassie's the girl. She she's also she's she seems tomboyish, but it turns out she's not. Yeah, she just it's doesn't just, have a choice. She right just doesn't now. have a choice because that's the clothes she has. Um, you know, and then there's Ben, who's the youngest. Danny Pintaro. He's he's he's. I would guess he's probably about six because Danny Pintaro is missing a lot of teeth. Yeah, and, you know? um, and he, uh, his and big issue is that he eats paper. He eats paper. You know, and he's the littlest and the cutest. You know, is that all of them? Yeah, that is all of them. Um, and, uh, you know, so they're talking about how they've got to get out of here soon. And Lola's like, yeah, we got to go soon. And, and we drop the exposition that Lola is 18. Lola works at the orphanage, like in the, uh, in like the, the I guess the cafeteria. Yeah. But I, I think he does odd jobs all over it. Yeah. And he, it lets drops it. He's actually 18. He can leave the orphanage whenever he wants. I think he's more or less still living there, but like he's living there and also working for his keep. Yeah. You know, but what they don't know about they, him. What they, what they, what only a few people know about him is that he's actually secretly somehow an advice columnist, and not just an advice columnist. It's not like oh, I write for the local paper. He's a po- he's syndicated, syndicated in over four hundred newspapers. He's essentially he's dear Abby. He's dear Abby. He's ask Lola, and he, he writes advice. You know, and, and the kids sort of help him sometimes. He gives the advice mostly though. You know, and he's obviously older, old beyond his year, wise beyond his years, you know, like he's... Types he, in an old typewriter. He types in an old typewriter and he's he, like, he's obviously very together, you know, and he's, I mean, he, the whole point of this movie is he's the glue that holds this family together because, and they are a family, but it turns out none of them are blood related except the, except the two we mentioned. But they all call, they basically all want to, all, all call themselves Benekers. They don't have, like, we don't hear any of their other, like their original last names. No. You know, and so they, they're talking about a plan. They have to escape the orphanage because it's getting, it's coming fast and furious. More and more people are trying to, I almost said rent these but children. Foster them. Foster these foster. children or adopt yeah. them. You know, and uh, at the last one, like the last straw is Ben is about to be looked at. And he's a little cute kid, you know. And we, we all know the orphanage rules is the older you are, the less likely you are to be adopted. And Ben is still young enough, you know, that he he might have a chance that like he's they like oh he's gonna be gone yeah you know so they have to go you know and so they're I mean so they we missed yeah we miss we missed some dumb exchanges that aren't really the important. biggest I think the biggest thing that I wanted to point out that we just missed is when they hatch this plan they're all sitting together uh, James is under the under the mm-hmm. the blanket. And they decide that no matter what, they're going to stay together. They are a family. They've decided to be a family. They're, nothing is going to tear them apart. 
um, and they decide to seal this deal with uh, being, be, you know, pricking their fingers. And, and man, and, that is that is something that yeah, they become blood, blood brothers, brothers basically. But, but, but here's the thing, like you remember, can tell this is not, this, this was filmed pre- just before 1980. Uh, this is like 1985. Yeah, this is just before, like just as AIDS was really yes. starting to rock people. That because man, I, I remember a lot of Blood Brothers things being on TV. Yep. Like like that was the thing, a concept that came up a lot on TV when I was really young. It kind of disappeared. Well, like I remember Grizzly Adams was Blood Brothers with I can't remember the Indian, but uh, that was like his Indian friend, uh, Native American friend. I don't know. It's a fucking TV show from the seventies. He was an Indian. <laughs> the Indian friend. Like I, I know he became Blood Brothers with someone. Like I remember, like because I watched a surprisingly well, large amount of Grizzly Adams. Well, this is interesting kid. because uh, um, the the story of um, Ryan White. Uh, yeah, the blood transfusion. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, that was around eighty five, so, wasn't it? Yes. Let me explain. So when they did the movie of, like, I don't know if it was a TV movie or an actual movie, but it was the story of Ryan White, and they wrote the book about him. When they did the movie about it, they actually talk about the whole Blood Brother thing and how unsafe it is. Yeah. And so there's a whole scene in that movie where they do decide to become Blood Brothers, but this is how they do it. They prick their fingers and they let the blood drop on the ground, and then they mix it together on the ground so that they're not touching right. the blood to each other. Right. But they made a really big deal out of it that we can still do this, we just can't mix our blood to each other's skin. Right, because you can't, that you would can't actually, other yeah, blood. blood. So it became this big deal, but it was very interesting. In general, and also, I was thinking to myself, that's probably not very smart for hemophiliac to be. Yeah, having blood brothers with anyone. Yeah, it's probably not so smart. Yeah, that's so. not. You know, I, I, around 1985, I almost became blood brothers with someone. Yeah. Except for I was absolutely not about to cut myself. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I was a blood brother with somebody. Blood sister. Blood sister brother. Blood Sister is totally the name of my new young adult supernatural <laughs> fantasy thriller romance. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. Anyway, we're, we digress to we something digress. that's I needed incredibly that. I, uninteresting. I wanted to point that out, uh, yeah. though. I thought it was No, important. no, I'm just saying I'm getting So they weird. all became yeah. whatever. Right, so they yeah. Make, and, uh, they make a pact. And we get to see, um, I don't know, do we, do we talk about this on this one, or is this only a Grey's Anatomy, uh, a Hard Grey's Night thing? Um, we see Andrew McCarthy do some seriously bad coffee acting. Uh, around this time and he's trying I to do his I think we only plans. talked about it on, on Grace. But uh, yeah, he, you know, it's the, yeah, like I'm sure I doubt there's too many people who don't listen to both because, you know, come on, man, we're great. We're Everyone great. Everyone loves us. Uh, but like he, he basically fl- like flips the cup up yeah. like super fast in yeah. a way that no one on earth drinking coffee yeah. would ever do. And you know, and the saddest part about that is that it's much easier to do good coffee acting with an actual mug. Yeah, he had a mug. It wasn't an empty paper cup. Then the paper cup. And that's, it's very funny. But like he treated the mug like it weighed nothing. Nothing. And just like, he had nothing in it. Slamming his coffee. Yeah, that was You know, and uh, so yeah, around this time, they're they're all planning to escape the orphanage. And at this point, it's like this, this, the movie really, this movie begins to feel like a weird combination of a lot of the movies. Mostly movies you've shown. Yeah. I mean, uh, like, it, or, or or mutual ones, uh, because this like there's elements like I feel like his character is like almost exactly like he's an analog with John Cusack's character in in Natty Gan. Mm-hmm. He's like the he's the 18 year old who's old before his time who helps the younger kids out. Yeah, you know, like he you know it has a it, there's a creepy Return to Oz feel. It's like it's like all of these movies like this Return to Oz, End of the Infinite Power, Savannah, Savannah Smile. Smiles. You know, uh, Natty Gan are all like, and 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 an afternoon nap on a on a rainy day are all mixed together into one movie. You know, it's just it it it, it it's just it's very sleepy and it's very reminiscent. Mm-hmm. You know, and once again, you've 
I mean, the movie does have a brunette-ish girl in it. I mean, so I guess we're still kind of in your wheelhouse. I mean, she's, you know, she's kind of sandy blonde, but you know, like, yeah, we're still in in Ali's weird wheelhouse, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so yeah, the kids decide to escape, and they escape in a laundry truck because yeah. it's. I, mean, I think that's why I called him the warden because they actually yeah. escape like every cliched yeah, prison movie. That's true. You know, and and James is literally still in a bag well they're all in bags but they, they make sure that james is the first bag to be put in we yeah. still haven't seen james. james yeah you know and they all get thrown into a laundry truck and they all escape out of the laundry truck and they go find uh andrew mccarthy's van which is insane yeah i mean it, it's like a like i think it's a vw minibus it I is think. and it's and it but and it's it's red it's with, a pizza. It's but it's like, for, yeah, it's got a mural for a pizza company. And the pizza company is named Satellite Pizza. Yeah, and it's, it's just like, it's strange. like the most, like, I, it, like, and it's not airbrushed. It's like a no. hand-painted mural. Yeah. You know, it's like, you know, like, it's like, it's like crappy, flat, like, it's not glossy. It's not like a slick, like, you know, shiny, like, like a custom van. It's like, like just like, it's like literally like you just got a, like a, a middle school together with a bunch of like cheap tempera paint and said, here, put this mural on this abandoned van. But what's so bizarre to me is that I didn't get, catch that it was there, that it was actually his van. I, I thought mean, they stole it. Maybe they did, but it's not implied. But, I, I, but you know what? It would be par for the course of this movie where tremendous amounts of crimes are committed and no one really faces a lot of opposition from yeah. the police. Yeah. Very strange. Yeah, like, like we'll get to that later. But, uh, like, you know, like, um, I'm trying to think... Oh, and so they go on the road in this van, and they're driving for a while. And, and this movie, for we the do next, finally see James. James you, takes yeah. his, James his, takes his mask off, and he will never be masked again. So I don't know why they made a big deal. Like James is weird. They make they make references though that he's up in his room and he doesn't come out. It's yeah. more that he's he secludes himself. He does, and he does. He does like he does seclude I, himself. Yeah, I don't think that it's that he has to be hidden and I'm away. Still, like thing, but I'm really trying to figure out how old James is because like obviously they they, they act like, like he can't leave. He's sixteen. His own. Yeah, but. But later on, he doesn't go to school with the rest of the kids. Yeah, like, like the like, like, like later on. Well, I'm jumping ahead, but just for this point, like later on, like, like you know, Andrew McCarthy makes all the other kids go to school. Yeah, you know, like he wants them to be lead normal lives, but like James doesn't go with them. Yeah, which is very strange. Yeah, when you think about it. Yeah, I mean, I get it. He would be in a different school, but like, there's never an implication of like him going to a high school. Yeah. Him having a life outside of like his room up at the top. So it's like James James is almost like this special creature. Yeah. Like he's different than everyone else and allowed to play by different rules than yeah, everyone else. Yeah, it's very strange. You know, and and it, it, it's very it's very off-putting. Uh but around this time we get uh one of the running things that goes throughout especially while they're traveling for the the first like third of the movie, one of the running thing, themes of this movie which is bad ADR. Yes. I mean, I guess it's not bad ADR, really, in but that it's, it's clear. Not it's not matched right. Yeah. Like, it's like you see all these shots of people, of them driving these, like, exterior shots, and it's so obvious they're in a booth commenting. Yeah, because they're too loud. They're not mixed right. Yeah, yeah. they're mixed over everything. Yeah. There's no sound of the car engine, like, in there. There's no, you don't hear sounds of driving. You just hear the score and their voices. It's very strange. You know, that that's what it is. It's you don't hear, yeah. there's no ambient driving yeah, noise to show place. like we're talking in the car yeah and they're also very loud yeah like the, you need to have a little bit of distance even like psychologically because you see just an exterior shot of a van they, you can't be you can't feel like you're inside the van in between the two of them talking mm-hmm. you know if that's how you're going to shoot it it's true it's very it, it, it just doesn't feel right um and 
Yes. So <laughs> no, it's like um, they, they get to the point where they're, they're, they've, they've gone as far as they can go before they have to stop at the, and get gas. or they, And then they decide they also think they should paint the van because they're afraid that yeah. if they... And, and, they yeah, and the weirdest thing, yeah, when so, they paint so the they, van... They paint the van, they, they actually try just to make it like uniformly red. They just cover up. Yeah, they just cover, it's really up cover up. It's still a red van, which I feel like if you're going to paint... You should just to hide. Yeah. You should change the color. I think they were trying to just get away fast. And they just yeah, I know. Like, I, I, so I get it. Then, just... then the other thing that happens that's interesting is that, and this is the first time that they finally reference it, is James is back there with this little handheld radio, and uh, and Lola slash Arthur asks, you know, have you if you heard anything about us having, you know, left the orphanage on on the news yet? And he said, no, I haven't heard anything. And he's like, well, that's good. That means that you yeah. know, because they've passed now through three different states. I yeah. think. Yeah. Well, they. I don't know how many states. How many states are in between New Jersey and Maryland? Because they're in Maryland. Oh, are they in Maryland at this point? Maybe yeah, just one. I don't know. That might I, be I'm not really. Yeah, I'm not really sure. Either way, uh, well, you see, it's never clear. They and again, this movie does a thing where it tells you what was going on before later. Yeah, later. Because I didn't know they were from they, where they were at the beginning. Like I, the, the first location close. that we know they're on is, is Maryland. Maryland. And the but the thing is the, the exterior shots, and I feel like they've. I don't know where they're shooting, but I don't think they were shooting in Maryland. I mean, I've been I've been through Maryland a couple of times. It didn't look like Maryland. Yeah. It also it felt Midwestern, mm-hmm. or at the very least, way 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 more rural yeah. than like any of the areas of Maryland I've been through. Yeah, you know, like Maryland has a lot. Like it's East Coast. It's near DC. It's near other like Baltimore's there. There's there's a lot of cities and things, and but all their shots were like really at this point fairly rural, you know, and I. You know, like the only part reason we know they're uh, in Maryland is because they basically drove by a sign that's now entering Maryland, yeah. and then it was the next scene, and that's the scene where they've they've stopped by the road to sleep, and they're woken up by uh, this guy, this dude. It's creepy, creepy dude. He's Jeff Stone. Well, not only. You know, man, what do you- why you gotta make a? We're not rose buddies. Nobody watches the Bachelorette. <laughs> but it is. I, yeah, but no, he's not Jack Stone. You know who he is, and this is weird. Because at first I'm like, this guy looks so much like a, a like, looks so much like Michael Fassbender mm-hmm. that I thought for a minute I'm like, is he, is he like his dad? Because mm-hmm. it's like, or because like you know this movie was made thirty something years ago and he looks like Michael Fassbender now kind of, but like not not I mean all right he actually looks like an, a much uglier version like he's a goofier version of Michael Fassbender. Okay. You know you you're looking. Do you know who Michael Fassbender is? Because yeah. you're looking at me like I have no I'm like sure two I heads. Have. Oh, yeah. He did kind of look like him. Yeah, I had it ready because yeah. I was like, I don't know if she knows who. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. What is the name of the actor who plays him? He, oh, so, I can't remember. Anyway, so somebody comes upon the, 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 the van and it's a force ranger. Yeah. And you get yeah, to he, see Arthur. Will Patton was his Will name. Patton. You get to see Arthur uh, use his charm and how he gets out of stuff. I mean, as a. As a kid, who you what? you realize that he's been on the on you know he's basically been on his own for a very long time. He's had to, you know, the guy has a, a syndicated column. You know, he had to figure out a way to make them. We don't know uh, why Will, he has that yet. Will Patton was like on uh, was by the way Alan Wilson on Twenty Four. Uh, he doesn't look you know anything like it that now. Sorry, get off me. Like yeah, he's actually like he's actually like like all oh, bald yeah, and like uh, but like, he's 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 a he's a native of Charleston, South Carolina. Oh well, there you go. Uh, yeah. Um, so anyway, so, so he, he yeah, approaches him. And- it's a very creepy scene. Yeah. It's a very like I, what I like what I noticed about this scene as he's talking about like you can't sleep in this. This is posted, posted land. land. This is posted land. You can't. And he's very high. You must do this and that with his voice. Mm-hmm. It's very. But 
He's trying to be menacing. I will say this. It's creepy. No, it comes off as like a weird, like, I, honest to God, we we are at this point in this game, we are like 13 episodes into uh, Twin Peaks The Return. This is creepier than 95% of what is on. The way it's shot, it almost feels like he's about to like murder all of them. Murder them or either that or come on to him. Or eat them all. That's like there's a sexual tension or or perhaps just a hunger tension. (laughs) Like it's just, it's very tense. But it's not tense in like a, oh God, we're going to get caught. Yeah. It's tense in like, there's a lot of odd pauses after he says his lines where he's just looking. Yeah. Really flatly at them. Yeah, it's very it is weird. A, It's a very squirrely, squirrely yeah. feeling. But anyway, so Arthur uh, anyway, basically lies and says and that they're, they're going they're to like a Boy Scout Jamboree. And then he asks where and he says they're going to Oba- Omaha. Omaha. And it's when they leave, he says, that's over 800 miles away. It's so weird. It's very strange. Um, they get back on the road, and that's when we, I think that's the first time we get their driving music, uh, yeah. which basically yeah. sounds like Salisbury Hill. Yeah. Like, it, like it, it sounds like it's dead. It, it, you know what it sounds like? It sounds like your roommate is in the other room trying desperately to pick up Salisbury Hill on, on, a, guitar. A, on a guitar, but never quite finding it. Yeah. That's what it feels like. Um, <laughs> You it's know, a really so, good description of that. So they, yeah, they drive around for a while, and they, they they at one point they talk about wanting to go to like a fast food place, and they list a whole bunch of them, and one of them they list is Roy Rogers. Yeah, which is bizarre. Which is very bizarre because I mean, I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm forgetting something here, but I grew up on the East Coast, the Southeast Coast in the eight. I don't think Roy Rogers was on the East Coast. I don't know. I'm pretty sure Roy Rogers is a West Coast thing, but I mean, I may be wrong. I don't know. I may be wrong. I've never we seen. We never had a Roy Rogers. I've never here. seen a Roy Rogers in my life. Yeah. So uh, you know, and I, you know, like, so I'm, I'm not really sure. But that, that was, you know, and that, and, it, and oh, around the time they're going to the Roy Rogers, they also get to the, the another creepy scene again. Again, this movie Fever Dream weirdness. Yeah. In this movie is they drive by randomly a dead dog. Yes. And the camera is like on the ground next to the dog as the van goes by it. And then they have a whole discussion about the dead dog. And how cool it was. How it was the best dead dog they've seen yet today. Yeah. And I just, Jesus Christ, we that is the talk, weirdest we psycho. Too much no, but this. I'm just saying it's the weirdest. It's so off putting. Yeah. It's like, I, I don't, I just, I, like, who has this kind of discussion? I know kids kind of do have weird discussions like that, but it's just everything. And this is all ADR. Yeah. So you're hearing this weird discussion while we're seeing a travelogue footage. <laughs> It is. It is so like like my flesh was crawling. Yeah, that was a weird and they, moment. They 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 decide they're going to get a hotel room, and they 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 originally like almost stop at the Moon Motel. <laughs> what a time to be alive! <laughs> but there's, but no, there's vacancy, no vacancy, so they have to go. They have to settle for a Holiday Inn Express. Well, actually, it's the Holiday Inn, and Allie pointed out, and I, you know, it, the great lost episode because we decided it was not going to make a good episode. <laughs> uh, it looks like the Holiday Inn from Cannonball Run. It really does. And at first, I'm like, wait, are they in Connecticut? Yeah, you know, or whatever, or wherever the holiday uh, uh, cannibal Who run's supposed knows? to be is. You know, um, and around that time, you see them looking at the paper, reading the paper, and you see the mo- This is like you know, you know, sometimes movies put things in because they need exposition. Like, right? They you see like the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen, which is the uh, uh, above the fold, above the headline, above the name of the newspaper, in at least. Four inches of print space, an ad for the advice column on page twelve to let us to let us know that apparently apparently uh, dear Lola is more popular than what is normally let's say at the top of a newspaper is either like if it's the USA Today the top of the newspaper is like weather and sports yeah it's more popular than weather 
online sports, it's more popular than, oh, I don't know, any news that might have happened in the world yeah. is this advice column that looks like it's written by a nonagenarian yeah. <laughs> by the byline photo. Like, everyone's right. Just remember in around 1985, whenever everyone was out arm wrestling yes. in bars yes. and reading advice columns. Yes. You know, that That's was that was the big does. thing everyone did in 1985, you know, <laughs> before they went home to watch DTV. So, yeah, right, exactly. So, yeah, so they get this place at the Holiday Inn, blah, blah, blah. And you see that's when um, Andrew McCarthy is actually writing uh, some of his advice column stuff because he has to keep, you know, keep going. Yeah, and and, it never explains how, like, where he gets gets paid because he's just dropping these things off in random mailboxes and then driving again. Yeah. He's never like, there's never like, I'm going to get a post office box somewhere and, you know, and, like, I'll go pick it up. No, it's just... I mean, yeah. I guess we just assume that there's a direct deposit. There's a lot in this movie that you, like, li- like, I mean, this movie clearly has to be sort of marketed at children. Oh, yeah. But it's not really, it doesn't really feel like a kid's movie. Right. It's a little too, it's not fun enough to be a kid's movie in a lot of ways, you know, but like, it, but like, it, it has kid movie logic a lot of the way through. So we get to essentially, I mean, at least they came up with the, like, the, weirdly contrived uh, idea that he's a very successful syndicated columnist and that's how he can afford to like support them. Yeah. Because otherwise, I mean, when I was 18 years old, I couldn't have supported another 18-year-old hanging out with him, much less a child. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, I could barely support the one 18-year-old that was living in my body. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, um, so like, oh, earlier in the movie, by the way, Cassie oh, yeah, had done a drawing. This. Yeah. Where, you know, like, of uh, a picket a picket fence house is like, I finished the drawing. This is where we're going to live. Yeah. And they end up falling asleep, like, in the, like, like by the side of the, oh, no, the car has their a blowout in the middle flat. of the night. Yeah. And he's like, no, we can't go anywhere. It's the middle of the night. You know, we're just going to, we're going to have to wait. And then, so they wake up the next they're morning. They're in Missouri. And they're in point. Missouri. And they're outside of a really shitty, abandoned, dilapidated house, dilapidated house that kind and then Cassie walks up and she's like, it's her vision. Yeah, it says for rent. On for it. rent. But it's on an it. absolute it's, dump. It's like, it makes the roadhouse, <laughs> you know, a room above a barn look like a paradise. Oh, yeah. well, that does actually look pretty cool. I, I would have moved into the roadhouse. Very lofty up there. So, but like, so they, they, they decide to move in, and, and Cassie gets to, of course, then like paint the all pink room she wanted. And, as whenever we were watching it, I was like, no, Cassie, you got to put accent colors in or the pink's not going to pop. She listened to my advice. Yeah, she, she did have did. some white she accents. Did. She did. Um, but. Um, so they, they do a montage. They do a montage. Your, your uh, like classic a, a 80s Revenge montage, of the Nerds yes, montage. Where they're cleaning the house. But there's no cool 80s movie. There's right. no like. So they rent the or, house, obviously, and he gets extra uh, uh, rent off because, because he's going to fix it he's himself. Fix he's it like, himself. He says, I have experience fixing houses. And do you? He's like, well, we will after we fix it. Right. So they fix up the house and they paint this crazy mural on the inside uh, when they realize they can do whatever they want in the, ha- in the house. Um, which is weird because I've been a tenant before and you really can't do whatever you want <laughs> in a rental. Although they are fixing it up. So yeah. I, guess they, I guess they get some leeway there. Uh, there's some... There's some uh, let me see. Uh, and it, yeah, the, the, at first the house looks like the hideout from Savannah Smiles kind yeah. of uh, yeah. to go back to. Like, again, this is like... Again, like, like many dreams... You know your PC together experiences you've already had. Yes, that's why this like uh, this this imaginary movie that doesn't exist. Uh, that's that's why there's so much that reminds me of other things. Yeah. Oh, and and the montage music instead of being like you know like something like, let's say like a Saint Elmo's fire sounding music or a you know a you know like a like a hearts on fire kind of thing or or like a of a Devo style uh, pastiche, yeah. the, the music sounds more like 
like low rent Aaron Copeland. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's just this. So then and, and, in the process of, of clean, clean, cleaning up and everything, they go to the hardware store. Yeah. Um, I, I think before, before we get to this point, oh, okay. uh, like when it, you get like, I just had to add this in because this is one of my biggest pet peeves about movies where kids oh, are I know what you're living about to talk about. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, no yeah. adult supervision yeah, yeah, yeah. is they eat some pizza and they add, like everyone has marshmallows on their pizza. Now, you know what? When I was eight years old, there is no fucking way you could have paid me to eat a slice of pizza with marshmallows on it. And these kids are just like, oh, yeah, because we're kids, we're gross. Ooh, you know, we're at Hogwarts eating our ear, our earwax candy. And they're yeah. like, fuck you. Fuck you. Like, any adult who writes a story where kids want to eat gross shit, kids eat gross shit on dares. Kids yeah. play with their food because they're bored and don't want to eat it. Kids don't just eat gross-ass shit for nothing. They do it to show off or the, whatever. They're not going to fucking, if that's their only meal. And these kids are not going to be living like kings. I'll tell yeah. you that much. I've watched Andrew McCarthy cook them dinner. He's basically throwing whole peeled potatoes into hot water yeah. to make their dinner. These kids are not living like kings. It's it's one of the most irritating, most disgusting things. That was just before, by the way, they painted the mural. Because yeah. I, 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 just because I know it, because I, I know yeah, it. Because I noted on the pressure. air that the wall looks better than a Hockney painting at least by yeah. the time they get done it, with it. They, they start throwing the marshmallows around and then uh, Lola gets a little pissed because he really needs to work yeah. and then in order to keep them quiet he lets, he them, he lets them paint the walls and then, and then they go to the hardware store to start and they go to the stuff. hardware store and when they and it's Cassie this is where this yeah. movie this is where I was like are you fucking shitting me movie so, so the so it's um, it's the three kids it's, it's I think it's Ben and Edmund and Cassie go to the hardware store together Right? Yeah, 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 I think, yeah. It's, I think it's, it's the little three, kids. It's the little kids. It's the young kids. And um, they're picking up a few things, and uh, they meet this young girl. Oh, by the way, before we do anything, just to make to make what the girl says, says make sense, this town has a population of like 250. Yeah, it's really small. You know, it's a very, very small town. So they, while Edmund is having a conversation with with the, this one young girl... Cassie starts having a conversation with another girl who's wearing a beret who turns around and is Martha Byrne. It's fucking Anna. It's Anna. It's the infinite the Anna. It's another fucking Anna clone. <laughs> Only this one's made it and this one is even shittier. She's obnoxious. Than, like as shitty as Anna was and Anna was shitty. She was shitty. Anna she was wasn't shitty. This, this is the shittiest clone of Anna yeah. yet. Oh, this like she's awful. She is, she's a, like, she's the, what's her name? Uh, oh, Olsen from uh, from uh, Little House on the Prairie, the little shitty oh, girl that was yes. at the store, yeah, at, at the general store. Yeah, uh, you know, like whatever. Mary, not Mary. Mary was the sister. Uh, Peggy Olsen. I, I don't think so. I don't. Know. I don't remember. Anyway, anyway, whatever. I remember it was Olsen was her last yeah. name, and she was shitty. So, uh, but um, but yeah, like like, and she's real shitty, and she's like, you know, like I don't know you. What do you go to school? And they're like, yeah. uh, no, we're too- we don't know if we're gonna go to school. We're not sure. Yeah, she's yeah. like, what? And she she says her father's the principal and yeah. her mother's a teacher at the school, which is weird because she acts like the richest, most spoiled girl. And I'm like, that makes prin- so much more sense pr- now. What, I forgot they were married. What, what principal and teacher combined are making a salary enough to make her act like fucking Veronica? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, right. I mean, I know I get it's a small town, but like, shouldn't her? <laughs> Like if she's gonna be that shitty, shouldn't her dad like own the bank or something? Yeah. Like it's it's very it's true. It's like it's like it's kind of like they're they've got to make everyone kind of interrelated in a very strange it's way. So weird, you know. And 
And, and the uh, other little girl that's talking to Edmund is her sister, and she's actually awesome. She's 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 like Aura. Aura, I guess. Yeah. yeah, she's she's yeah. She she well, she, you know, she looks like she should be playing an orphan in another movie. She yeah, has she like does. That, she like that kind of plain, friendly blonde girl face yeah. that like an or an extra orphan and like she should be an extra nanny. Actually, she looks like an extra nanny. Yeah. You know. Like, and can I just point this out too? All of the kids have accents from the East Coast in some capacity. They drop their R's. It's a it's very interesting. Oh, I, I think Andrew McCarthy is exaggerating his voice. Let me finish. No, I'm though. just saying. No, but I mean like those kids. I'm not talking about. I'm talking about the ones that are supposedly born and raised oh, yeah. in Missouri. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This this movie. There is not a damn bit of like this movie does not sound or act Midwestern not at, at all. all. Even though it was filmed in Missouri. Yeah. There's a credit like thanking the state of Missouri and I think the state of Virginia as well. You know, in this. You know, but it is. It's like no. No, 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 no. It's like, it, it, it's not quite as frustrating as girls just want to have fun where every, like there's not a single person in the entire movie that sounds like they're from Chicago. Yeah. But I think it's the only reason that's more frustrating is because we live in Chicago, so yeah. it's really bugging me. But like, this is this is rural, and again, this is not like, this is even like St. Louis, Missouri. Right. No, this, this is, is rural, rural Missouri. Missouri. This is like border, it's not quite the Ozarks, it's not mountain, but it's the middle of damn nowhere. Nobody should have a sound in their voice like they, they are from Anywhere Nobody. in the mid, in, yeah. in, I'm sorry, in, in, the, the, East in the East Coast, yeah. at but all. everyone does. No, yeah, everyone does. Very right. interesting. And, or they have the weirdest voices, like uh, the next character that's we're introduced <laughs> to, because we we have a scene where they're all at home, and a woman comes to the door, and she just walks, walks right, right into the door. I mean, I get that the door is cracked open, but she's coming with the welcome, and she's got a she's Mrs. she's Miss Stanwick, the teacher, and there's something it's very strange about the way she's talking. It's like she's got she's trying to do a lockjaw. It's but very not. weird. It's very like weird. it's it's very weird. Like it, she doesn't have any visible like impediments, you know. It, like I'm holding my jaw weird and slack to do that voice, but she doesn't. It's just she's got a very strange accent and yeah. voice, and uh, but she's the she's the teacher, the aforementioned uh, you and know, the mother of this mother, girl, of and she's girls. a busybody. Yeah, and they 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 shoo her off by pretending. That their their guardian is a grandfather. Yeah, they like come up with that on the spot. You know, and and she leaves, and but like she obviously doesn't believe them. And there's a, just an, a very odd and awkward like scene right after that between um, Lola and Cassie. Awkward for many reasons. I mean, the reason that I think you pointed out the most was there's a bit of sexual tension. Yeah, but it's not. I mean, it's, it's not, not really. But it's the, it, it's shot like there's sexual yes, tension. Yes, it's shot that way. Even though there's there's no no, they're not. No, it's nothing there going is, on this there. is this this family has a very pure and chaste relationship. Yeah, like there is nothing untoward. He is definitely a father figure, mm-hmm. an older brother figure. Mm-hmm. You know, like, but it is, it's just very like that's part of the weirdness. Another part of the weirdness is the sight lines are off. Mm-hmm. They are never looking at each other yeah. directly like yeah. like but they're supposed to be but the camera angles are wrong mm-hmm. and then um at, at one point and like and this, this is, is a later, thing but yeah. for, no it's this, this, this scene no it's not because it's in no. my notes okay i'm going to tell you why it's in my notes and this is the Let spot we're you, talking but, about okay but like, can i say something okay can i say something am i talking okay so what i was going to say <laughs> but you're like pointing it out to me well, like yeah, i'm wrong no, here I'm, well, what i'm going to say is if you are talking about this spot they haven't gone to school yet she has she hasn't been made fun of about the fact that she's She's dressed like a boy, so we haven't just haven't mentioned that moment yet. Oh, that's not what I'm talking about. Yes, it is because you're talking about when he crosses the 180 line. No, that's it. That's it. that's this point. Yes, and that's when they're sitting on her bed. She threw the shoe at him. He holds the shoe, and okay, then okay. You know what? I'm going to tell you a little secret. 
I elided that because it was boring. This is the next thing we're talking about. But I'm saying that I haven't gone to school yet. You're contradicting me about something. I'm not. They just haven't gone to school yet. I just want to say that they go to school. All I wanted to say. Well, yeah, they that's... literally decide that he sends them to school. Okay. Anyway, moving on. Oh my God. Moving on. The um, okay, that's fine. <laughs> now I've lost my train. No, but what happens is, and this is a this is a concept that I've always had trouble understanding when it's described, is. Crossing that 180 line in movies, like when when it's when it's described, you know, like it's basically you know when it, like it's a, it's a rule that like basically when you're shooting a, a people in a movie, they sh- there's a 180 degree area the camera can go through, and if the camera crosses that line, it becomes intensely alienating. Yeah, because you suddenly don't know where you are. Right. Like your brain, you want your characters to be turned the same way in the scene, talking to the same the same way to each other, and out of nowhere. Because the way the cameras have been, have been, the sight lines have already been a little off. Andrew McCarthy comes from the wrong side of the screen. And it, like, I literally, like, it was like jumping a gear. Like, it's like, like, like it was like, like, literally, I was like, my gears ground for a second. And I, like, for just a split second, I was in this awkward place. Like, I was watching an art film or something. Like, again, like, it's like something from, like, Twin Peaks of Return, where it's like, I'm, where am I at? I'm not in a place. I have no frame of reference. Mm-hmm. Like, where is this even at? Like, it really threw me. Like, and I'm, I'm not even exaggerating. I, I took not. me, like... I was with you. I, I, I was like, I had, like, I, like, I literally was like, I, I, I was like, we have to pause this for a minute because I can't, I can't with this movie right now. Like, I'm literally in another, another realm. And that is, that was, that was, like, that was a level of incompetence that I guess I didn't even know, like, how much competence most filmmakers have. Mm-hmm. For shooting scenes, because I, I know it happens, on occasion, in movies, and I've I've heard people call it out, but I've never seen it in the wild so bad, <laughs> that it actually affected me, like it it is a very disturbing cut, and I cannot believe this movie, was made by the same genius, that made, he's just not that into you. <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah. So anyway, this this scene is important only because um, Cassie has, you know, she's one girl with all these guys, and so she's stuck wearing all of their old clothes or any clothes that they can, you know, she yeah, can, she has orphan clothes. Yeah, she's basically in right. Um, and, and, and and they they've already been commented, I think, also by this point, they they like they've commented on it that everyone kind of stinks. Yeah. You know, although maybe that might be later. I think that it happens. I think At some point, that's yeah. when Edmund At some point, has a yeah. fight with him. Yeah. But the, the, the this whatever her name is, Martha Burns character, Stanwyck, whatever she she makes Barbara a com- Stanwyck, the famous yes. actress. She makes a comment about how um, she's dressed like a boy that she doesn't even look like a girl. She must also be a boy, and that's like kind of breaks Cassie's heart because she really is the only girl. But she's the one that wanted a pink room, and she wanted pink yeah. sheets. Yeah, she's, she, she's she's not she's not she she again like we said yeah. she looks like a tomboy. Dumbly. She's dressed she like kind of like Paula Poundstone. Yeah. She has like a vest and a and a boyish looking shirt she on. She doesn't have a choice. It's yeah, but she's not doing this because she has like that's her fashion sense. Yeah, you know her so for, her fashion sense is pretty little princess. So the next major thing that happens is they have a there's a Halloween party going on. But let's go back a lot because uh, there's a lot of things I want to talk about before okay. we get to that. Okay. Um let's go back to the next for me major thing because it's laying in the seeds of their downfall mm. is they go to the post office. Oh right. And they meet the weird New England <laughs> like this guy sounds like he's out of pepper out of a pepper commercial. commercial. What are you boy, what are you kids doing with all these packages? Yeah. You know? You know, it could be a letter bomb. Yeah. <laughs> One time, uh, someone sent a letter that was a bomb in it. 
you know, and you know, we had to shake it, and it, it feels like a, I shook it, and it, that feels like it could be a bomb. And it's like, what are you doing, shaking the mail? Yeah. There's no law against it, you know. And it, like, it's just like this, like it, it. He's definitely not from fucking Missouri. No. Like this was the moment that I really was like, what? Like this is this is like Biff Yeager talking about the bass. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like it's like no, no, you are not you. And and he, like it'd be one thing if this was a big cosmopolitan area where you could think, oh yeah, a guy from New England moved here. Right. Like this is a tiny like podunk town that doesn't want strangers. Right. You know, so um, anyhow, basically, um, basically, we then get to, like this is when the principal actually intervenes, well, but he, not yeah. The, like the principal actually intervenes with Cassie, right? Because of Ben has been eating, like like Ben's been stealing things. Yeah, he thinks he's and, been stealing. And when we see the principal, this is we've already dropped this spoiler bomb. I was originally going to try to not talk about him, but you drop you put him in the pitch, Sorry. so we no, it's fine. And I was in denial about it. Like, even when it happened, I was in so much denial about it because he's the, the principal's this avuncular, friendly, not in any way sinister, youngish, like young middle aged, like maybe 40 year old man with a very distinctive, deep, friendly voice. And I, I'm like, I know that guy, but I don't know that guy. And I'm just and I know that guy. And I just, yeah, but I, I know, don't know that guy. But I know this guy so well because he's always been a that guy for me. Well, yeah, well, he's a, well everyone knows he's a classic that guy. Yeah. But the thing is, he's a classic that guy that most people know of as kind of an intense. Oh yeah. He usually plays characters that are well. Anyway, it's JT fucking Walsh, and it's like you know, like I, like I know, like there are two roles I I think of when I think of JT Walsh. One is of course from A Few Good Men, mm-hmm. and the other one is his evil town like owner guy from Pleasantville mm-hmm. you know the guy who screams screams himself into color yes. in a scene that I think is awesome but a lot of people think is ridiculous mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I like, love that I like Pleasantville I love quite Pleasantville. a bit I, I, like, I, I think that's an I'm underrated movie I'm a big movie. fan of that one uh, but, um, but yeah J.T. Walsh is in this movie and he plays the principal uh, you know the, the, the husband I almost said the wife but the husband I guess is the correct term of the, uh, teacher. the, the teacher with the weird voice and the father of Martha Byrne yeah. uh, Anna to the infinite evil um but um, so basically, uh, you know, she, but she she admits she says like, no, he's just he's just eating things. He's not he's, stealing he's, things. He's, he's, he, he, he didn't he, steal. He those... barely ate an entire paper mache model. Yeah, a paper mache igloo. This, this kid's got pica. He's oh, gotta have pica. Full on. You know, like is he pregnant? Perhaps. Uh, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, I think it's also remember when you were pregnant, and you ate that bicycle. Yes, it was the Guinness really... people were were very 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 upset that you actually did not eat the largest bicycle, and we we never made the book. Mm. I was hungry. Also, it's not that hungry. Also, they're very upset because apparently they out they, they got rid of the eating uh, awards in the eighties because people were dying from eating things. Bicycles. Yeah. yeah. Well, bicycles, elm trees. Yeah. City buses. Understood. Um. So the so then he says, oh, it's you know more 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 of a problem than I thought. We got to call your your parents, and she sort of freaks out, and they call and. Uh, Arthur Lola says, "Oh, you know, we don't have parents." And, I mean, then, <laughs> and then he gets the grandfather on the phone, which is basically him being the grandfather. Like, and, he, and, he, and he does it for a second. He's like, "Oh, he's really sick. Can you call later?" And it is yeah. the fucking most shallow ruse yeah. I've ever heard. This is like this reminds me of when I was a kid. I got a phone call once. Uh, you know, it, it turned out actually it was from the hospital about my medical information. This is when I had my colon polyps at age nine. <laughs> you know, but um, but my mother wasn't home, and you know, like you're, you're not supposed to like tell adults you're home alone. Yeah. You know, like, so 
you know, like there was always like, say they're in the bath or something. Is this a problem that kids have nowadays? Is there's not really latchkey kids like it used to be. No one can leave their kids alone. No one's but like in the '80s, if you if you weren't if you weren't if, you know if you grew up in the time with helicopter parents, just so you know, in the '80s, you were told to lie because your parents probably weren't going to be home when you were growing up. So you, you were taught how to lie home, yeah. that your parents were yeah. home. And I remember trying to pretend to be my mother on the phone with them, and they they're like, "You're not." <laughs> <laughs> And the reason I thought I could get away with it is the number of times people thought I, like, is this Debbie Walter? Because I was a little kid. I had a yeah. little high kid voice. Yeah. Like, you know, like in so the you reverse. Said yes? In the, in the reverse. <laughs> no, I know I, I said I'd go get her. And then I tried Did to you come back on. <laughs> yeah, it was, it didn't work. You know, and, you know, and I, you know, like, I kind of had to admit she wasn't home. And I thought for sure they were, and they were like, no, we're the hospital. I was like, oh, thank God. They're not going to come kidnap me. Or are they? And I, you know, I hit with a golf club in my room. And Did you really? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, do you remember how much of our, uh, did you not see the episode of the Mr. T cartoon show where that stranger threw that kid in the van? Yes. I mean, come on. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, enough about my weird oh my, my, my weird flashbacks. Right. Uh, but my logic, by the way, was, you know, like, I knew at that time, you know, like, basically, you know, like, grown women usually do the voice of children in cartoons. So mm-hmm. I'm a child. I can do the voice of a grown woman, right? That's a good try. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, anyway, um, so we learn, this is where we learn there's going to be a big Halloween ball. Of course, Cassie doesn't want to go because she doesn't have a costume. All the kids have great ideas for costumes. Um, and she's not going to go. She's all angry. And then she ends up finding a box with, with from, from Lola uh, using James's robot handwriting. It's literally the, the, whatever stagehand who is also an architect yeah. that they got to, like, like write to, write, to carefully block print everything uh, wrote the same note. Uh, but he's given her a little princess dress. That's really adorable, like, It's a really nice costume. And that's when we go to the costume ball. And that's when my brain said, no, no, mm-hmm. no. Because first of all, these kids are, like, living on a shoestring. I mean, it's it's basically the house from Overboard without yeah. Goldie Hawn to fix everything. Yeah. You know, Um so like so, oh, Andrew McCarthy should have enslaved a random rich person. With I mean, brain that would have been smart, right? But um, but whoa, the dog is tripping <laughs> on your lap. <laughs> That's great. Um, so there, this Halloween party. First of all, I mean, not one. Every costume in this Halloween party, like it's that Hollywood convention of a Halloween party where everyone is dressed amazingly. Yeah, like it's more it, like it's more detailed than a theater, uh, you know, Halloween party. You know, like the, everyone has these incredible costumes. Not one person is wearing one of those shitty costumes with the mask that you would get your tongue caught in the yeah, mouth hole yeah. with the character's picture on the yeah, chest. Yeah. You know, like not one of them is wearing that, that kind of shitty ass costume. And in fact, like Edmund comes in dressed in full on as an octopus, a green octopus really with cool tentacles. One. It is an amazing costume. It is a full costume, though. It is practically a mascot costume. Yeah. yeah. Like, I am pretty sure it's nicer than most Halloween rental places would have. Yes. Like, it was an amazing costume. You know? So, uh, but anyway, they they go to this this thing, and two of the three kids win awards for their costumes. Danny Pintaro wins some for the funniest costume. He's dressed as an ice cream cone. Which is kind of adorable. He, he's adorable. Yeah. Again, this is, this is like six-year-old Danny Pintaro. Yeah. It's like just before Who's the Boss. Yeah. He's adorable. He's absolutely adorable. You know? Like, and... And, and Edmund wins for the most original costume, and then some rando wins for the scariest costume. Yeah. Uh, like I was like, come on, man, why not make it a sweep? Yeah, <laughs> why, right. Like I don't understand why. And one then they of start them, talking about the fact that, that that their tiny little town is getting national news. Getting on the national news for a school Halloween party, which makes zero sense. And but they they can't be on TV because right. they have to take their masks off to you know like kids take your mask off. But it's funny because Danny Vitaro's not wearing a mask; yeah. he's wearing a, a, a 
a red crocheted hat yeah. <laughs> that looks like a cherry. Yeah. You know, but um, so they run off real quick, and the principal is furious, furious. because they the school has one chance to be on national news, yeah. and you've done this. You've you know? embarrassed. You've them. embarrassed us, and so they go and like they're going to show up. Yeah. And to talk to the grandpa. And they're freaking out because they don't have a grandpa. Right. And a lesser movie. And they, you mean you mean the, the, the principal, the principal and, the, and the, the teacher. And the teacher. And the postmaster. Apparently the reason. postmaster decides to show up too. But I'm but not they, really sure why the postmaster And they find coming. out that these people are all coming because um, Martha Burns' little sister, Aura, comes yeah, and they, tells yeah. them. She's, she's the mole. The, she's the mole on the inside. Yeah, she's the spy. Uh, and so, she tells them. So, so they're um, like, yeah. what are we going to do? It's and like, they're, free, they're freaking out. You know, like, oh, God, what are we going to do? We don't have an old man. And, like, again, I have to say, a better movie would have involved finding an old drunk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't have time. It was, like, it was I like know, midnight. Well, you're right. They, they wrote themselves in that corner. I'm saying a better movie yeah. would have found a drifter coming through town. Yeah. <laughs> and it would have been, like, a great farce. Like, you have such a great setup for a farce at this moment, mm-hmm. by the way, in, in even the solution they choose. And the solution they choose is... Little soft-spoken James, little, he's the second oldest person and like taller than everyone except Andrew McCarthy. But James is like, you could dress up as an old man and pretend to be the grandfather. He has a very, James is very Very light, light when he talks and very soft. Like, like James is interesting because I feel like he's coded as a sensitive theater kid who's going to come out later in life. But they don't develop that aspect of his character the way you'd think right so it like like that that characterization would so work but instead they develop him with Allie got kind of mad at me I think at this point I was a little mad at you you got really mad at me and I wasn't I ref- really mad at you I refuse to be apologetic for this I think this. it was just how obnoxious you were about <laughs> it I, I'm gonna tell you this right now my reaction was not theatrical my reaction was 100% genuine this is one of the funniest things I've ever seen and it's not supposed to be so James, well, first James is like, I can make you up. You could do this. And he, he, James, first of all, he's very softly explaining like the level of clown white and this and that. Pancake. And this rouge to make him old. And I'm like, and like he's saying it in such a methodical way. I'm like, one, are you a serial killer? Because it is like, two, why do you have a makeup kit? Because it's like, where are we going to find a makeup kit at this hour? Oh, I have one. Mm-hmm. Like one, how do they not know? Like it's an enormous kit. They've been in a van together yeah. for for how long, and they they don't notice that he has like that one third of his possessions is makeup. Yeah, they do explain it very quickly in a very strange story where we learn that James is a carny. James's parents are circus folk, and apparently they're clowns. Because like, and just before this scene, you see there's a picture in his room of him of two clowns. Like coconut and coconut and cocoa yeah. naughty. I don't know. Yeah. It's like cocoa and coconut. Like they yeah. they both have very similar names, and uh, and he it, it's like he tells this incredibly pathetic. It's bathos. It's not pathos. It's incredibly like serious and intense monologue about how he's telling it to Cassie. His mother chose. The new head of the circus over him. That was the choice she was given to stay with the circus and him or leave. And he had to be kicked out. I'm like, what on earth? They're like, so so the new owner of the circus is like, 
you if you want to love me, you can't have a child. And she yeah. like it's like it's like it's so like it sounds like something a little kid would make up as a tragedy. Yeah. Because it is literally I grew up in the circus and everything was good until the evil man my mother fell in love with who ran the circus held us apart. <laughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> sorry. It's just, and he, and he's delivering it with such quiet fervor. That's the thing. It's almost an Adam West level of just gritting your way through the lines, but it's up really high. It's, it, it, is, it is not, I mean, it is not a particularly good performance. And I say this knowing that James Allen Lee is apparently the head of the Echo Theater Company somewhere, <laughs> and I hopefully will not have to like try to audition for him. Uh, I'm sorry, James. I'm, I mean, I'm sure you do much better now. You were like 16 when this movie was made, and it's just not. It, it, I would have done just as bad at 16. I'm just going to say that. But I probably wouldn't have written a scene that bad at 16, and that's where a grown person is probably to blame. It is a ridiculous. It is one of the funniest goddamn things I've ever seen. Like it is not. Like, it, it's not, it's just, it. it's trying so hard for, like, this serious moment. And it could have been a serious moment had it not been about clowns at a circus. <laughs> and how you had to choose between the circus life and love and a son. <laughs> it's just, it, I couldn't, I couldn't even with it. So then the doorbell rings. And that's, yeah, we've cut to the next scene. And they, you know, again, the postmaster, the principal, and a teacher are there to interview this grandfather about how you've embarrassed the school. And like, and the po- like, like, why is even the postmaster there? Well, he why? wants to talk about letter bombs. Yeah, which is just ridiculous. And so then we get Andrew McCarthy dressed, well, I mean, kind of like a community theater Captain Ahab. <laughs> like, I don't, like, he's, I mean, all right. I think we can all agree. Now, I haven't seen Andrew McCarthy in anything in, like, what, 20 years? It's been a long time since he's actually, uh, you know, been, like, an active, like, famous movie star. Andrew McCarthy has what scientists might refer to as a baby face. Mm-hmm. I mean, scientists who are watching movies with Andrew McCarthy and, like, like he's, he's young. He looks young. And he's young. He is young now. He's been made up. With some of, and again, this would be pretty good makeup for a theater production, but we're watching a movie. He is like made up with the worst spirit gum beard. Oh, yeah. He's got like mascara wrinkles. Like it, it, it is, and he's like, oh, I'm an old man. <laughs> it, is, it is this scene. And now again, what I'm saying is this is a missed opportunity for some awesome farce. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just some fucking Mrs. Doubtfire, oops, my boob fell off kind of jokes. Well, they do. They, they do it, but they don't do it right. They build mm-hmm. it for tension instead of for laughs. Yeah. But, like, he he does this whole thing. And, the, and by the way, everyone is completely fooled, apparently, until, until the part of his mustache falls yeah. off. And it is the most ridiculous. And he delivers this scene about, and I'll, I, this is where I'm going to go ahead and sound weird. Because this scene, I had just been making fun of this clown this clown scene. <laughs> but this scene is Andrew McCarthy in the most ridiculously fake old guy makeup explaining how these children really like, I'm, you know, I'm gar- their guardian, but really they're, they're, they're taking care of me. They're teaching me so much about life and whatever. And he's actually delivering, Andrew McCarthy is, this is weird because I would never consider him a very good actor. He does a really good job in this movie. Yes, he does. Like a really good job in 
it's like an inappropriate like it's inappropriately good like it's like you were saving your bet the like this is the best performance i think i've ever seen in his career and he's using this in like his what is possibly a made for tv movie i'm not really sure it's a fever dream yeah like but he's really i mean it's obviously he's speaking what his character feels about these kids yes and it's super sincere and you can see in his eyes how much he cares and i'm like why is this tour de force acting moment from andrew mccarthy of all people coming in while he's wearing like literally age makeup that looks worse than what i wore when i was 17 Mm -hmm. playing old dracula Mm -hmm. like it is incredibly ridiculous yeah, you know, like, but also weird because he's do- he's doing a super good job. You know, we need to, we need to pick up the pace on this because it's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I know we're yeah, I'm, we're, I'm, I'm, well, I'm okay. we're, it. we're really we're really getting close though because yeah. we're getting finally we're almost up to the act three where much like Njal's saga, the great Icelandic saga and early example of the novel from the late Middle Ages. Um, we get a courtroom drama at the end. Yeah. Like, suddenly. So, basically, they leave because they, they're like, oh, you know, we're so sorry, and you're right, and we should be but, more But, yeah, his, half his mustache but half his falls, falls off. And, and the teacher and, sees it. You know, and they're like, oh, God, she saw. Yeah. You know, and they And know. at that point, that's when Lola hatches a new plan. And you, yeah, and you, you get a little hint of it. Like, you see him, you can see him hiding a book that's obviously about law. And then, basically, the, all of a sudden, we get two new characters showing up. There, uh, it was... The guy that Hannibal Lecter's going to eat at the end of Silence of the Lambs. Anthony Heald. Anthony Heald, thank you. And a woman who I know I've he seen. He just passed away, stuff. by the way. Oh. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. I don't know the woman. I feel like I should make some sort of dumb Chianti and Fava Beans joke, but I don't really feel no, it. No, So, anyway. Uh, but anyway, and the woman but the woman I know I've seen her in things, but like no, like nothing major. She's definitely a that woman. Yeah. You know, like, they are people from social services. They saw, they saw this, like, information... Blah, blah, blah. They're coming for them. They've got this writ. And then Andrew McCarthy shows up with a different writ. Oh, and there's also a moment where they're like, where the, the kids are trying to defend themselves with the hose. hose. And there's actually it's a line a great where it's line. like, careful, he's got a hose. <laughs> and it's not said jokingly. The yeah. character is very seriously saying he's got a hose. So we've got this, uh, a courtroom battle. Um, and basically this is the point where Andrew McCarthy's defending himself and the right to keep these children. Right. He gives the, like, the judge is like, so uh, what means do you have to support these people? What's your job? He says he's uh, a, a newspaper columnist. So what, what, you know, like... I'm on your own that, byline or something? Under, or, under yeah. your own byline? He's like, no, I, like, I, I'm a nationally syndicated columnist. And they're like, what, under your own, under what byline? Your own? And I'm like, oh, no, no, I write under, uh, you know, Dear Lola. So and, he has to reveal... And everyone's like, what? Because yeah. again, Dear Lola is so important that a newspaper will kill we'll use a headline space the size of world war ii being declared to say we have uh, dear lola on page 12 so yeah. everyone's like what i read that but and the teacher's like but she's so insightful she can't be an 18 year old yeah and uh you know so he has to admit that like basically like you you learn basically when he was 12 years old um he grew you know he was his he was in the orphanage, and when he like by the time he was fifteen, he was right. He like he was working on the column. He replaced the columnist who died, whose name was who was the original Lola. Everyone loved it. He was syndicated, and like so he's like like he's a really good writer and blah blah blah. So he's obviously got the means to support the kids uh, financially, but you know like again he kind of did kidnap them. Yeah. He did cross state lines with them. They're not his relatives. 
You know, so there's a very real like, you know, like I, this movie kind of doesn't think about the consequences of that. It turns into like, eh, we might be able to give it if you prove it right. Yeah. But anyway, he loses his columnist job because when it comes out that this beloved elderly woman that's been giving everyone advice is, you know, Nature, uh, you know a kid, a kid who's not even old enough to drink in a bar, you know, like he loses his job. So at this point, basically, there, he gives this impassioned speech. About, I think this was his. And this was, moment. no, this was actually much better. This yeah. is the best moment. Yeah. Like, but I'm saying, like, again, like my whole point being that Andrew McCarthy is does it a really good job in this movie. It's really strange that this is the movie he chose to do his best work in. You know, like it's like it's weird that he peaked with this movie and then like then he became more famous. You know, doing better, be, arguably better movies. I mean, arguably, you know. But um, so he that's where we learn at both Edmund and and Jane. But we we know James's story. This is where we learn that Edmund was like him, uh, a guy, a kid that whose parents didn't give a shit about him, you know. And we learn that this is where we learn that Ben and Cassie's parents died, yeah, you know, and that they're, they're and that they're a family and like blah blah blah. Uh, it's very passion and passion. It's very very it's touching. Speech. But he loses the case yeah. because he doesn't have a job. The irony being, like he could have supported them, but when they arrested him like arrested him or whatever or like he lost his job and the judge says basically if you talk to me when you have a job we can revisit this we can revisit this and he's like uh, can I have a moment He they have one last moment where you know to talk with the uh, you know with the, like with the, with the judge's chambers and that's when apparently they'd already planned this backup plan James comes barreling up in the van into their window they, they jump out the window get in the van and just go driving off to, to escape and I'm like watching this going well they can't get away with this they're you can't just leave a courthouse you know and, 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 and go on the lam there's gonna be a bench warrant yeah there's a bench warrant there's gonna there should be fucking actual warrant yeah because there's gonna be actual it's, it's, fucking yeah, this is like cops a, at, abducting these kids yeah like they, like there's gonna be a manhunt they go flying down the road they they hang a U-turn to go west because they're gonna go to Hawaii I don't know if they're gonna drive to Hawaii I guess is the plan um, but then they're being followed not by the cops of course like you'd think but by the principal Stoddard uh, and his wife uh, or I guess they're, I guess they've got to be married because she says her father's the principal and whatever, but they have different last names like Stoddard and Stanwyck. I don't know. It's I don't know. Strange. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Anyway, like they're driving, they're driving to the principal's like Plymouth, <laughs> like and there's a there's a low a low level car chase where he's like he rams them a couple of times. I mean, but it's more the teacher's insistence. The principal keeps going. Well, what, what are we doing? Yeah. Like it's really funny because he's he's the one driving, but he's like, why are we doing this? Yeah. You know, and, and I'm like, yeah, why are you doing this? You have policemen. So like, ridiculous. why are you chasing them at full? And they end up escaping by dumping all the dear Lola letters like out, like covered in glue. Yeah. And like onto the car, and they and and as it always happens in movies, when cars' windshields are obstructed, instead of hitting the brakes immediately, because you can't see. They just keep driving at the same speed and swerve a lot. Yeah. <laughs> like so they were driving in a straight line down a straight road. Like immediately, what slam the brakes? Just stop! But instead, it's like and you know, like you know, they get driven off the road and then they drive away and it's like ha ha ha, we've gotten away and it fades away and you're thinking, okay, next scene is them getting arrested because it goes to two and it goes to two months later. Yeah. And it's a freeze frame of the top of a newspaper with like Aloha Arnie or something I can't remember Arthur Ar- Aloha Arthur what's his real name Aloha Arthur and it's a picture of a smiling Andrew McCarthy actually looking a lot like his character in Weekend at Bernie's like on this newspaper page and then it's 
we're back to the bad ADR. And he's on the phone with the judge saying, we've got a job. We're now, like, I'm Hawaii's most famous advice columnist because this is a world where advice columnists are the only reason people read newspapers. Yes, I mean, I don't know why not. And he tells the judge, like, hey, you know, like, I'm going to turn myself in now. Now that I've got a job, I can take care of him. I'm like, yeah, you also violated a court order, once again abducted kids across state lines, and the judge is like, who's been sympathetic to them the whole time? Um, and also, weirdly enough, and uncommented on having a cold. Because yeah. they keep, like, t- like he's wiping his face a lot. It's yeah. never commented on. He never complains about it. It's like, I feel like the actor just had a cold, and they're like, go with it. <laughs> but, um, and the judge says, well, you've got a job now, so I see no reason not to grant you custody. The end. Like, I'm sorry. This credits. ending, yeah, credits. This movie has the most bullshit. Fa- the last fucking 15 minutes of this movie, honestly, he should wake up in jail like Owl Creek Bridge at the end where mm-hmm. he just dreamed his escape because what the fuck mm-hmm. what the, how did they even get to Hawaii how did they get on a plane they drove to Hawaii what? they drove to Hawaii <laughs> I mean it's just like everything about the end of this movie makes no goddamn sense it's like I, I, I like literally I was like I was I was willing to buy every dumb ridiculous part of this movie but when they just escape by driving away and drive from Missouri to Hawaii, apparently. <laughs> and then he immediately somehow gets it. Like, first of all, I would guess he could probably get a lot of money in the real world by fucking writing a book about his experiences. One would think. But no. And first of all, like, obviously he's playing under his own name in Hawaii. Does Hawaii not have extradition treaties with the rest <laughs> of America? Like, it's like, oh, well, he's not on the mainland. You have to be the, the lower 48 or we can't, we can't, oh, no, we, no authority in Hawaii. Hawaii is a lawless paradise. <laughs> so, yeah, that is the movie. That's the way it ends. And it is what the fuck, this fucking fever dream of a movie. And Allie, tell me, was this worth revisiting? It certainly was. I love this movie. I, I, I don't know. It. Here's part of it. I think part of it was that I I remembered this movie. I had seen scenes from it over and over. I didn't remember the Where did you ending. see it? I don't know. TV? I don't remember. TV? Uh, TV. No, again, I don't know. Cable? I, I, I don't know. I, this anyway, movie was a okay, host. Is it, uh, me talking now. You shutting up. I take the so, talking stick and run. Um, yeah, really. That's where I'm going. So, uh, yeah. No, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I must have, as I look back on the movies that meant something to me as a kid. They all look like tea was spilled on their They, they all are, something is wrong with some <laughs> kid. They're run away. They've been abandoned. They're in some precocious... This is a, this is a weird psychological portrait of you. Yeah, it's pretty interesting to see like, the movies that I like really like, glommed like my, onto. My, my movies are like range from like, you know, like fucking Commando to like violent dumb things like Cobra to like blockbusters like, that failed like Superman 4 to Repo Man. Yours is like, it's a movie about a little girl and a system that's holding her down. Yeah, it's true. It really is. Like, there's no clear picture of me for my the movies I've chosen, but there is a very clear picture of you. It's true. So, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed this movie. And, yes, it's absolutely unbelievable. And there's something... I just feel like I want to see the director's cut. That's my opinion on that. How do you think there is... Why, why would this not be the director's cut? Clearly. Was it worth watching? You know... This is a weird. That's a weird question to think about because, in a very objective sense, no, it is fucking ridiculous and silly and 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 
while Andrew McCarthy does a surprisingly good job, it's in a movie that doesn't deserve that mm-hmm. good a job. And well, like, but ultimately, yeah, weirdly, I am glad I saw it because it's got it's got so many weird elements of like other movies we've done that like it it, it felt familiar even though I'd never seen it. <laughs> like Anna's there being a real turd, and you know, and there's a bunch of kids on the run. And <laughs> I know, right? And there's a world-weary 18-year-old hobo, apparently. <laughs> and the movie's, you know, sallow. <laughs> you know, it feels it feels like 1985 kids product. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Like it, weirdly enough, it was worth worth watching just for like it may be the only time in my life that I can ever actually revisit being half-heartedly watching something I don't quite understand in 1985. Yeah. Like, for just that briefest of moments, I was thinking, well, you know what? When this is over, maybe a kung fu movie is going to come on uh, on uh, Channel 5. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, this is a, this, we, this, this, we, we at the beginning of this thought we would barely get an hour out of this. Yeah, we're way ahead of that. It's because I just decided to have verbal diarrhea today. Um, <laughs> so, anyway, we exist. We exist. Unlike this movie. <laughs> By the way, if you want to if you want to watch this movie, you can actually. Uh, there's a couple places you can get it online. Uh, the easiest one's probably Amazon. Uh, just rent it. Yep. It's like three ninety nine. Yeah, three ninety nine. I don't think it was worth three ninety nine, but maybe to you, if you want to re-experience the sallowness that is nineteen eighty five. I mean, I, um, I honestly see it for Andrew McCarthy's, especially his last monologue. His last monologue is, is good, really good. And oh, and see it for this that fucking clown monologue. <laughs> Because that is really monologue. fucking funny. It is so fucking funny. I'm sorry. I know that like I, I know that Allie's offended that I laughed at it, but it is legit. That was not me making it up. I could not have stopped laughing if I tried. Like that was that was almost as funny as the uh, uh, the Billy and the Clonosaurus part of the Simpsons that I you know can't even watch without die- without, without like having to stop to breathe. Um, like it's it's that close. I was having trouble breathing watching it. And uh, if you want to have trouble breathing, come to Match Made in Space. Wow, segue. Yeah, that was a that was a good segue. Yeah, that was a that was actually that was actually the vehicle segue. I just drove it right through that. Right through there. And if you want, if you want to, again, um, I, I I'm sure no one is. I'm sure I'm sure as of last week's episode, still no one has actually sent anything to matchmadeinspace at gmail.com. But if you want to, feel free. We'll check it once every three months and find no one there. Yeah. Except ads from Squarespace telling us we need to renew. Um. Hey, by the way, does that count as a Squarespace ad on here? And can we get paid for that? Squarespace. Feel Squarespace. Beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I also like to talk to you about Blue Apron. <laughs> <laughs> Stamps.com is your uh all right. Click the microphone and yeah. You know what we should do? We mm. should just pretend we're part of the Maximum Fun Network <laughs> and, 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 and create a fake Max Fun. Oh my drive. god, that we should totally do that. Yeah, we could totally commit fraud. And people will believe us because you know we're good friends with Judge John Hodgman. Yeah, yeah. Um anyway, um you can also find us on Twitter at MMIS Podcast. Uh you can find Allie at a L I underscore G O O D M A N infinity of nothing after that, because that's the end of it. And you can find me at Hitler puncher where you will see my screen name is Nolan void and no one gets it. And people think my first name is Nolan. And that's my favorite part of Twitter. <laughs> um, anyway, I, I, that's about, I, I'm just talking now to talk. Can we get it up to an hour and a half? If we talk for nine more minutes you or could, so, you could figure it out. No, I, it'll, well, it'll be it, actually, we're already later than I think there. It's not nine minutes of that. We've got our, our random shit yeah. intro we've got our theme song you know we've There's got lots our, of things we've got our after the 
credit stinger. I hope y'all stay la- stay around for those. We've done one for every movie. Um, anyway, <laughs> I guess this is the time when you start by saying. Oh wow, that's a terrible rap. This okay. Yes. Well, you know it's because it's your part. Other than other than that time two episodes ago when you thought I did it. This is a match made in space. Signing off. Adios. Stick around after the credits. still here? It's over. Go home. Go.